Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this pod, please rate, review, subscribe. You know, if you have a stadium with maybe 60 or 70,000 of your closest uh, Titans friends, tell all of them. Tell 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 all of them that you want them to watch Lamestream Sports. Watch or, Lame or, or, or listen. Um, just, or, or, just or listen. You know, just just play the podcast with a Bluetooth speaker in your pocket as loud as possible in the section. Exactly. Just, just that. Who? What else could make your football day experience better than Steve Cavendish and my voice? It might have made the second half more watchable. <laughs> wow. Uh, I believe he's referring to the Titans um, because our guest on the show today is Amy Wells. Titans, Amy. Of course, she does like a thousand jobs. Uh, has been with the, the 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 organization for almost a decade and is one of the best sports storytellers in all of sports in Nashville. Um, one of the greatest personalities in this market, and she gets to do all kinds of cool stuff. They've got a new show coming out. She's going to tell you about that. So we've got a lot of stuff planned with her. We'll talk about her time coming up through Mizzou, how she got into sports, her sideline gig, uh, the podcast that's coming out new, a new podcast. So she'll explain that. Um, just all kinds of great stuff and is one of the funnier and, and best storytellers in the market. So we'll talk with Amy Wells here coming up momentarily. Ratings and recommendations. Ratings are back, baby. Ratings are back. So we've got your ratings coming up. Some interesting numbers on who was watching, how many were watching the Titans game that you referred to already uh, in, in the second half. So, <laughs> But first, <laughs> but, Lamestream but, Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Brought to you by Jaspers. It's football season, folks. Jaspers, time to shine. Scream the name Jaspers at the top of your lungs to anyone who will listen. They've got free parking. They have got a fantastic menu. They've got great happy hours. They've got two-for-one beers on Sundays if you can't get into Nissan Stadium to buy their food in the club level. You can go to Jaspers and park for free and get two-for-one beers and watch the Titans game there. And then when you want to leave in the second half, you don't feel like you're as, as invested financially in the, in the exactly in, right in the product. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go to Jasper's. Uh, it is a wonderful place to watch the game. So ratings and recommendations following our interview with Amy Wells. Steve, we'll have some conversation about the Tennessee Pittsburgh broadcast uh, as well. Coming up a little it was later a, on. It was something, wasn't it? It, it, it Something is the right word. Uh, we will describe and discuss a little bit later on in the show, but uh, no more from you and I, because Amy is honestly one of the most entertaining people in this market. So here was our conversation with the great Amy Wells. Amy, welcome to the show. It is great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. This is fun. So I'm going to start here by introducing you with all of your titles. See if I can get it correct. You can correct me. And then maybe we'll break some news as well. So you are sideline reporter for Titans Radio, co-host of the pregame show. You co-host Titans Tonight. You co-host the show Titans All Access. And of course, you are the co-host of the OTP, the official Titans podcast. Did I miss anything there? Did I get all of your jobs correct? You did get all of my jobs correct. Um, appreciate that because it's it's quite a mouthful. Um, we are also going to be launching. We're doing a little switcheroo. So my OTP time is coming to a close. And then I will be co-hosting a new podcast, the Titans Amy and Coach Max podcast. So look for that. It's coming very soon. Um, so really excited about that. But yeah, with that list of stuff, I'm never bored. Never, ever. I'm always doing something. <laughs> Um, do, do you, so we'll get into the radio situation because you are the first female on-air reporter, sideline co-host of any kind for Titans radio. Um, and, and I think that's quite an honor that you have earned, but is there any one of these particulars that, that you, when you get into them and you do them and you execute them that you, and you know, there are certain skills and different skills for each one of them. Is there any one in particular that is something that you love the most or enjoy the most or, kind of get the most out of as far as a broadcaster goes? Here's the thing about all of the different things I get to do that I really love so much about this job that I'm in right now is that I get to flex a lot of different muscles within one week. So I've got 
some TV stuff where you're doing the very on-camera broadcasty, like you look nice and you do the whole thing and TV shows are really fun and it's a very different pace that you're doing things. And that's great. I have some radio stuff that I do, which even the sideline stuff is dramatically different from something like Titans Tonight, where we're in studio and we're working with Keith Bullock and we're taking callers and we get to talk about a lot of different things. So that's a very different vibe. And then we've got podcasting, which I love. I'm obsessed with podcasts. I don't know. I know I'm late to the party because they've been out since like the mid like early 2000s but in the last five years I've like lost my mind about podcasts I love them (laughs) and so that's a really fun thing to do because it's such a unique space and you get to have a very different vibe and very different conversations with people than you even can do in what feels like a more formal setting of radio Um, And all of them, the style with which you talk, um, the way that you broadcast, the way that you're able to convey stories is different in every single one of those things. So I am so fortunate that I'm never in a spot where I feel a little burnt out or like I plateau or anything because one day is really hot and heavy in radio. And then the next day I've got a bunch of TV stuff to do. So my brain is always able to kind of be doing different things and I never get stagnant, which is so cool. And I feel very fortunate because not a lot of people get to do so many different things within the course of a single week. What is it about the, 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 the podcast you're going to do with coach Mac? Um, How's that going to be different from the OTP podcast? And and what do you you talked a little bit about the format? What do what can you do on there that that maybe you're not doing elsewhere? So first and foremost, I don't know if you guys have spent a lot of time around Coach Mac. He knows every human being on the planet <laughs> and like knows them well. So a lot of this podcast is going to be giving our listeners the opportunity to experience the coach Mac-ness of coach Mac. So (laughs) when you're around him, you're in this very different orbit of like these people who you have just known and been in awe of for years. And all of a sudden they're like, Hey, coach Mac, it was good to see you at dinner yesterday. Cool burger. You were eating like, what is this conversation that I'm privy to? And so being able to bring other people into that space and kind of get to experience the NFL and all the different facets of it that Mac is so familiar with because he's been in this league for 984 years, he is able to bring that to a level that it just seems so casual for him. So we're able to have so many cool guests on. I mean, we literally went to lunch and just went through the contact list on his phone. And it's like every person you can ever think of, like anybody who you thought, I wonder if their phone number exists. Like <laughs> sure it does. It's right here. Like I was expecting him to pull up like the president of the United States, Santa Claus, Mickey Mouse, like all these people who you don't think like, Nobody thinks that Peyton Manning has a cell phone, but he does. And Max got his number. Like it's that kind of thing. And so it's so cool to be like, Hey, what if we had someone on the phone? He's like, yep, here's their number. Let's call them, see if they'll do it. So the the guests that we're going to be able to get are so cool. And I'm just so excited. And then of course we're able to talk Titans football and talking Titans football with coach Mac is the most fun. And he is such a good teacher. So being able to bring Titans fans a little bit of that education, be able to really break things down from an NFL head coach's perspective, and then also have some of the other conversations that we're able to bring. I'm so fired up about this podcast. I don't know if you can tell it, if I'm conveying it (laughs) properly, but I am so fired up. It's going to be so much fun. And we've just been really kind of grinding on it and working on it. And the, the stuff that we've put together is so fun. 984 days, I believe, is a record, or 984 years, I believe, is a record. Coach Mack owns that record. And to your point yeah. about like why he, he's, I think one of the most interesting things you've just said among many is what makes him a great teacher. And I've, every time I go to practice for the last couple of years, I go stand and talk with him first because I want to be like, all right, show me. Like I played in a high school and that's it. Like I don't know anything past that. And so I talked, I just sit there and go, coach, how are you watching this position? How are you watching that position? How are you doing 
you know, who are you watching here and what are you watching and how are you watching? And he is just so like full of life to sort of be that teacher for people. And I, and I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to be able to kind of get that out there more because he does a lot of radio interviews and he talks a lot on the radio, but it's a, it's different when you get him sort of in the weeds talking ball. Right. And he is just, he's so skilled at explaining things in a way that you go, Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Like he is able to bring some of the very big intricacies of football and the game and the game at the highest level and make it seem very like common sense almost like, Oh, well, yeah, that, that certain thing makes a ton of sense. And I mean, for me, you said you played in high school. I haven't played at all. I'm a terrible athlete. I can't do anything. (laughs) So the fact that I am able to have him as a teacher and have him as someone who has helped me in the last three, four years really expand my knowledge. And yes, I understand the game and I understand the rules. And I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, but to take it to that next level of really understanding the intricacies and know what I'm looking for. And he is, he has made my job so much easier in so many ways. And I'm so excited to now be able to bring that to fans and give them the chance to either watch the game in a completely different way or walk into a bar and say a phrase and have people go, what? Like, I think there's value to that too. Being able to contribute to conversations and have your friends be like, oh my gosh, you know what you're saying. <laughs> like that, Because that's a cool feeling too, to have people be like, oh, wow. So, uh, uh, I mean, whatever. And there's going to be something for everybody. So if you're more of a casual fr- fan and you just want a cool phrase to throw out to your friends, here you go. If you really want to learn this stuff, there's a little bit of that too. So there's something for everyone here. I want to uh, talk a little bit about, about the sideline reporting gig. Uh, and, and specifically what it was like this week with fans in the stands and does that make it, did that make it hard? Did, did it, did it make it fun? How was it? How was it there with kind of all that energy? It felt like home. It felt like we were back on track. Um, Being in stadiums with no fans, while there were some things I was like, "Hmm, this is a lot easier, you know, like just navigating from place to place. So I'm going someplace fast. There physically weren't humans there. So I could get wherever I needed to go pretty quick. Um, and being in the moat. So that first row of seats, I could see a lot better cause I'm not very tall. Um, so <laughs> there were definitely some things that I was like, Oh, I could get used to this. I didn't realize how much I missed the football of it all, if that makes sense. Like when you go to a football game, there's so much more than just what's happening on the field. When you go to a football game, you go for the experience, the atmosphere, the fans, the buzz, like all of that stuff that everybody worked so hard last year to try to preserve as much as they could, but you just can't replicate a full stadium full of fans who are genuinely so excited to see their team. And that was something that I didn't realize how much I missed it until we had it back. And being in a full Nissan stadium on Sunday where people were so fired up to see their Titans team back on the field, it like gave me goosebumps. I'm that girl that like gets a little weepy during the national anthem before every game. Like if you look at me on the sidelines, I'm crying every time. (laughs) Um, So I wear sunglasses at very inappropriate times because I'm like, no one can see, just shield them up. Um, (laughs) But it, it, it kind of got me a little bit again, like it always does. But it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, we're here. We're back. You know, it took my breath away a little bit. So it, it, it was so good. It was so good to be in a full stadium again, and especially to be at Nissan Stadium. I mean, there's no place in the league like Nissan Stadium. Did you, what did you do to prepare for that, that role? Have you done it in the past? Is this, did you talk to people? Cause you've, like you said, you've already laid out like the millions of different types of muscles that you get to use in your broadcasting career. What was your preparation like for for that particular role, which is very different than any of the other things that you do? Yeah, um, it was something that I had not really done. I had done a little bit of it at the high school level 
um, TSSAA, when they have their Blue Cross Bowl, I've been fortunate to do a little bit of that. Um, but at the high school level, it's very different than at the professional level. So at the high school level, you're there to do some of the supplemental interviews. You're talking to coaches at halftime, after the game, that kind of stuff. You're not so much into the uh, action as the game goes on and injury reports and trying to figure out kind of giving people status updates. Um, so I leaned on Jonathan Hutton pretty heavily at the beginning because um, he had done the job before me and then he ended up moving into the booth um, to be a part of the uh, pregame, postgame, all of that broadcast. Um, so he was very helpful in kind of telling me where I need to be, what I need to be looking for. Mike Keith and all the all the Titans radio crew, they're so helpful. And I mean, my first game as a sideline reporter was the longest game in NFL history. Like that was oh, it. God. Welcome to the first day of your new job. We're going to have two lightning delays and uh, you're going to figure it out, kid. And that's exactly what he did. But I was so fortunate to be with a group like the Titans radio guys because they won't let you fall. Like they will never, ever put you in a position where you come across as stupid or you don't know what you're doing or you're unprepared. So, I mean, I got two and a half games worth of experience in my very first game. And so pretty much after that, I was a pro. I was ready to go. And, you know, so I watched a couple of Grey's Anatomy episodes to learn some medical words. And we just kind of were <laughs> rocking and rolling from there. Um, but it is... It is now that I've got a couple years of doing it under my belt, I understand what I need to be watching in practice on like throughout the week to prepare me for what I'm looking for on Sundays. I know my eyes are trained where they need to be. I know where I need to be watching on the sidelines. I know what's important for me to be watching on the field because it's really easy. I mean, you're standing right there. It's also very easy to just get lost in watching a football game. And it took me a while to remember like, oh, I don't need to be like watching the plays. This is not what matters right now. What does matter is this thing over here or this guy out on the field or making sure that there's nothing going on the sidelines that I need to know about. So it was kind of teaching myself where my eyes need to be and what I need to be really paying attention to. And then I record the game so I can watch it when I get home because <laughs> I also like to see the football parts later. <laughs> so ex explain to people and, and this so it's true in TV, but it's even more true in radio, how tight it is to get in and get out of a, of a sideline report. And you have to be on and then you have to be succinct and get out. What is explain what happens when you know they're going to you for a specific thing and what you have to accomplish? Well, um, so I try to pack as much information into as few words as possible. So, and a lot time, a lot of times I say things that are kind of stupid and I'm, I need people to know that it's stupid. So I'll say something like <laughs> Jake Locker has a foot and like, everybody knows, no, he actually has two feet. But what, <laughs> what I'm saying is he has a foot injury. He may or may not be back on the field. <laughs> like, and everyone just kind of needs to know that I know that's crazy, but these are the words I'm saying, because I don't have a lot of time. Um, and uh, they do a great job of letting me know, hey, um, we need to go quick. Here's what's coming up, or we're going to try and squeak this in. And so I know that I need to rock and roll a little bit faster. It helps that I work with Mike Keith every day, all the time for probably the rest of our lives. Sorry, Mike. Um, I am very familiar with his cadence and the way that he speaks and kind of with the flow of a, of a game. So I know where he needs me to say, three sentences where he needs me to say half of a sentence. Like I can tell based on where the guys are lining up, how much time they've got to fill in that, how long I can take. So I can say, Hey, so-and-so's on the sidelines. They're working with trainers right now. Not sure what's going on. I can tell you, it looks like it's a left ankle. I'll let you know more when I get it. Or I can say, yep, he's on the sidelines. I'll let you know when I get more information, like two very different things, but it's two different ways of saying, I don't know, hang on, <laughs> I'll get you something. It's uh, <laughs> it's like Taylor Lewan has a knee. I just want Mike Keith one time to be like, actually, Amy's got two. I just, yeah. want, I, I want Mike Keith to like acknowledge that one time. 
Well, and it, it, my dad thinks it's the funniest joke. Like, yeah, I heard you say he has a knee. And I'm like, yeah, he did. He does. <laughs> it's not working right now. Um, but I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I want to get you information, but yeah. I know that this is not like my shining moment. This is, this is information that's pertinent to the story of the game and how we're going to move forward. So let's just get in and get you back to what you want to hear, which is what's happening on the field. Now, but you're a team employee and where do, where's the line there between I'm supposed to be getting as much information out to listeners on the, on the radio and, and for the network versus maybe they don't want, maybe the team doesn't want this out there. Maybe this, you know, maybe they're trying to hide somebody's injury or maybe they're trying to, I mean, because if you're, it, it seems to me that there is a little bit of tension there between you can tell too much or too little. Well, and I've been, this is my ninth season with the Titans. So I am very aware of where that line is. Um, but I also am operating under the assumption where I'm not telling you anything that if you were in the stadium, you couldn't see with your eyeballs. Like I don't have special training. I'm not a doctor. Like, I, I don't know what the injury is per se. I'm not going to tell you that they're doing surgery on the sidelines because they're not. I mean, I, like, I can only tell you what I see. And I have a great point of contact in Jared Puffer, who's our PR guy who's on the sidelines. Um, he's able to get me information and he tells me the official word. So until I get that official word, basically everything that I'm saying is just what I'm seeing, which everybody else in the stadium is seeing the same thing. So there are times that I will give someone up in the booth, maybe a heads up on something I've noticed, but that's always, Hey, not for publication, but this is what I'm watching right now. So they also know that they're watching that. So then if something happens later in the game, we know that we can push back to it pretty quickly. So there's a lot of those conversations that happen that are off air. Um, Hey, I'm watching this thing over here. Hey, I noticed this, not sure what it is, but keeping an eye on it. Hey, that thing that looks like something, not a thing. Don't worry about that. Like I can kind of, because I am right there. Um, So what I'm able to see and what I'm able to provide for the radio guys is a lot of context that they might be missing because they're up in the booth. But no, I'm, I mean, I am very aware of where a line is and what our team is trying to accomplish. And that's helpful. uh, And that's what makes the fact that I go to practice helpful. Um, because that gives me a really good idea of what is going on and the bigger story of the week for this team. So I know those places where you can push and where you cannot. And and we can expand this conversation even out further from just injuries and even just game day. And this goes for play-by-play, color analysts, or sideline reporters, you know, host a podcast, everybody sort of involved. You have access to information. And, and, I, and I did this like on a very, very low level for soccer, where I would get to talk to a coach and get information that, you know, you can't use, you know, you can't say it. And, and I've, I've talked to all you guys about how Mike Vrabel is in those meetings and you get to hear things and you know, there's stuff you cannot use, but you want to also create the best possible podcast, broadcast, pregame show, sideline report, whatever. I mean, obviously nine years, you've got tons of experience with knowing where that line is. I, that's a really difficult skill to be able to take a nugget, a piece of information, scheme, injury, whatever it might be, still add value to your, to your broadcast, but also sort of not betray the confidence and the trust you have of being in those meetings. Well, here's the thing. I'm a Tennessee Titans employee. Like that's what it is. They signed my paycheck. So it's not something I struggle with. Like I'm, I am very happy to, be a homer, a team player, whatever you want to tell me. I mean, for God's sake, my social media handle is Titans Amy. Like we are not (laughs) confused about who I work for. Like it's very obvious. And I love it that way because my job is not to be breaking news. My job is to not be exposing things. I am not an investigative reporter. I'm here to tell you the story of this team. And sometimes when you're telling a story, there's information that you don't share right at the moment that you get it. 
but down the line, it provides context to what's happening. So it gives you the ability to see the bigger story and then tell that story as it's happening. So no, I'm, I can't tell you everything that I see or every piece of information that's in my brain, but I can give you the high, I can give you the main part of it. I can give you the book report and you have a very good idea of what's coming on. Like nobody is ever going to hide valuable details. They just might not be details that anybody needs to know, you know, but having that context, having that knowledge of the bigger picture helps me be a better storyteller and make sure that fans know what's going on with this team. And that's the point. Lamestream Sports Steve Cavendish is brought to you by Yeah. I mean, when somebody on Twitter says that they walk into Jasper's imitating your screams, I guess you got to go back to it, I suppose. I mean, thank you random Twitter person. I raise my glass to you. <laughs> random Twitter. We love our audience so much that we don't know your names. <laughs> Now I want to look up who that was. Yeah, you do that while I tell everybody about the free parking and the amazing amazing menu, of course, at Jasper's. Brought to you by Deb Paquette and the Four Top Hospitality Collection of Restaurants. The menu is exceptional. They're constantly evolving because they are the next evolution of the sports bar. They got two-for-one beers on Sunday and now serving two locations because you can get them. They're collie poppers and the sweet potato barbecue fries. You can get that stuff in the club level even if you have to break in like Aaron Dugan of Fringe Element, who tried to break in this Sunday to the club level, which we are not condoning, by the way. Um, But she tried, and she unsuccessfully did not get to Jasper's. But the the good news is is you can just drive across town, park for free, walk into Jasper's, which they encourage, and and then can purchase some, some food from them at Jasper's. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, I say random. Uh, I say random Twitter person. It's uh, Matthew Maxey, uh, who runs uh, runs PR for uh, for City Franklin, um, or more like the visitors kind of part of it, uh, and and a nice guy on Twitter. So here, should we? Do you think Jasper's would appreciate if we started encouraging people to imitate you when they walk in the door at Jasper's? You know, they would be amused with that for about the first thirty seconds, and then after that, they would be like. They would tell us to shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, I think 30 it seconds. actually would not. No, but, I think 30 seconds but, is actually an overestimate. I think it would be the first person would be charming. And then every person after that, it would be terrible. I mean, the, the person, the, the person who's working the front would just want to kill someone after, uh, after three or four of those people. But Hey, Mr. Maxi, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> there you, go. you can do it. You can still do it. You no absolutely one, can do it. No one else can do it. Uh, two for one beers on Sundays for the Titans games. Uh, the menu is just awesome. I went on Thursday, watched the, uh, I went on Thursday with the, with, uh, with Aaron and we watched some, some Tampa Bay and some Dallas and had a great, you know, had some great drink specials, had a great burger, had great beer, didn't pay for parking. And it was wonderful. It was, it was, it was very real and spectacular. I, I like a place. Uh, I like a place on a Saturday. Uh, if I'm going to go watch games with friends, then I can plop down. I'm going to spend some time there. I've got great viewing options and I've got great food options. Uh, you know, I, I can watch a bunch of different games and then I can also eat to my heart's content. There you have it. What, like what, what else are you asking for from the next evolution of the sports bar? I don't know. I don't know. I literally do not know. I know. I don't. I don't. I know that I don't know either. Steve, go to Jasper's. Did you grow up an NFL fan? A little bit more college. So I grew up in a college town. So, like, where'd you where'd you grow up? Columbia, Missouri. Go Tigers! Oh, Woo-hoo. that's so. That's yeah. how you ended yeah, up she's, in Mizzou. She's, she's a Cobra. I knew you. Sure. I knew you were yeah. a Mizzou grad, but I didn't realize yes. that. So. For those who don't know, I went to the University of Missouri, but I grew up eight minutes away from campus. Uh, not a long drive. It's probably more like 10 minutes now because there's more people in Columbia, so more traffic, um, but not far. And uh, so what we did on Saturdays was you went to Mizzou football games. That's uh, that's what I did from the time I was in fifth grade until I graduated from college. I didn't miss a single Mizzou football home game. Um, I did quit a job over it. 
that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to make me work on a Saturday. I said no, and I quit. Um, and then I got jobs for the football team. So that just seemed like it made more sense. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Mizzou football was my whole world and that's what you did. I mean, you went to high school football on Friday nights, you went to Mizzou football on sat on Saturday and you tailgated. That's your whole day on Saturday. Like you're not doing anything else. Saturdays are for Mizzou football. And then on Sunday, yeah, you go to church and then you just kind of have the NFL on, but I was a Cowboys fan um, because in the 90s, everybody was. And um, then just kind of stuck with that. I have some family in Dallas who did a really good job of like feeding my habit once I kind of said that I was a Cowboys fan. So I kind of got into the NFL that way. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a huge, they didn't go to my first NFL game until I was a uh, freshman or sophomore in college. Like, I mean, I was pretty I was pretty old when I went to my first NFL game and then ended up getting a job in the league, which I didn't think was even possible after college. Like I thought you had to work for a college and then maybe you could go to the NFL like you had to take the steps. But I ended up getting an internship in Baltimore and, and the rest is history. And, and for those that, that do not know, Missouri, among the greatest journalism schools in in all of the the world up there with Syracuse and Northwestern you guys got all kinds of rivalries with those schools um first a couple of questions about Como just in general explain to people what's going on in the end zone with the rocks just just what do you mean, what's going on it's explain. only the best place to watch a football game I don't understand what you don't understand so <laughs> one of the end zones at Faro Field is a grassy hill it's lovely and they have an M in rocks. They call it the Rock M because very self-explanatory. And that is a place where you can sit. And really for the first, oh my gosh, all throughout and from fifth grade until high school. So seven years of my life, um, my family had season tickets that were just on the hill. And it's kind of like we had actual seats somewhere. I have no idea where where my family's season ticket seats actually were but we would go and I mean they had kids there's me and my sisters four years younger so lay out a blanket you sit on there it's like you're having a picnic so kids can run around it's perfect for families perfect for families and so we ran like my whole childhood is on that hill I mean we would slide down if it was a rainy game and they handed out like the schedule posters they're slides guys and you just <laughs> hop on that thing and you can slide all the way down to the bottom and then you're covered in mud and your mom hates you but that's what you do for like the whole fourth quarter of the game because when I was a kid Mizzou was losing a lot so there was not to watch so you were <laughs> sliding down the mud but yeah awesome stadium it's one of the smaller ones in the SEC and I know and I get it but it's home and it's right. my favorite place to watch a football game it's still 50,000 plus though. And there's a lot of stadiums yeah. around the country. They don't come close to that. What, what was your family's reaction and your reaction when in 2012, they joined the sec? Um, you know, I was a little sad, not because I didn't think that going to the sec was great or a good move or phenomenal for the university or all that stuff, but there was a lot of tradition and a lot of, rivalries and history and things that it felt were going away no more no more KU games yeah well and Kansas is so salty about the whole thing I need them to buck up a little bit and like just be a non-conference game just do it for the love of oh it drives me crazy but yeah I mean (laughs) things like that I mean the big rivalries for me were Oklahoma Nebraska and Kansas and losing those like I'm glad Oklahoma is coming to the SEC because I want to play them every year because I hate them. Like, I hate them, hate them because they've ruined a lot of good things for me. Uh, Kansas, I don't even go to the state. Like, I don't acknowledge it as part of the union. Um, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, Nebraska, we've had some huge heartbreakers against Nebraska, but also some really fun wins. So it's things like that that I missed because you got really involved in that and – the big seeing what's happened to the Big 12 makes my heart hurt a little bit because that was I mean, that was my conference forever. And so that kind of stuff is it's sad to lose that tradition. And like kids who go to Mizzou now don't even know they're supposed to hate Kansas. And that hurts my soul. That's sad. Like, 
That's Why not... do you care about Kansas? I'm like, oh, you don't even know. You don't get it. You don't um, get it. Yeah. I mean, there is no joy in the world like beating Kansas at anything. It doesn't matter. Like football, awesome. Basketball, even better. Yeah. A spelling bee, great. Like, I don't care what it is, but I want to beat them. And I love all the anti-Kansas traditions. I think they're hilarious. I think they're mean for no reason. And it's funny. And I think it's great. Like, deep in my soul. And I know that people in the world are going to be like, oh, my gosh, who is this person? But, like, really, this is what you are this this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to hate your rival team. You're just supposed to. Yes. <laughs> were were you this good at telling stories like like at three years old? <sighs> this is a question for my parents, and I would hate to know the answer. Um, I've been a talker for a minute. Um, I've always kind of had things to say. I got when I was growing up, the thing I got in trouble for a lot was my mouth. And because um, I have a lot of thoughts and somehow sometimes they just kind of like leak out. Um, but, yeah, I think I've always kind of had. I've always been kind of prone to hyperbole, so things aren't just like fine. They're either fantastic or they're terrible. And there's not a lot of gray area in that. But then I feel like I have to support why I think something is either fantastic or terrible. And so then it becomes a tale somehow. So I, honestly, I think a lot of my storytelling is like a personality defect. Um, like something went wrong somewhere, but. But you figured out how to monetize it. That's the key. Yeah, but I've, I've monetized this uh, defect a little bit and it's turned out to, to work in my favor, I hope. Um, I'm sure there are people who are like, for the love of God, just shut it down. Like, that's enough. <laughs> but I'm hopeful that there are some people who appreciate that I'm trying and that I love to tell them stories, especially about this team. But I mean, we can talk about a lot of stuff. I can go. Well, my, my mother probably has some very similar um, stories to your mother. Um, and it's and, and, and I did not go to a great journalism school and I do not work for a professional football team. So I think you've, you've found exactly what you're supposed to be doing and you got brilliant training and you have lots of talent and you get to, to do the hyperbole thing whenever you want. Like you, you couldn't ask for a better layout. Like it's. Well, and it, it was actually my dad's idea that I get into sports. So I, I think that I at least kind of did what I was supposed to do in that regard. I should probably tell the tale. So when I started at Mizzou, I was a uh, political science major. I thought I wanted to run uh, political campaigns. Thought that would be an awesome job. Still kind of do. Um, Lots but- of talking. Lots of talking, um, lots of like poster making, which in my brain was like the coolest thing you could do is make like (laughs) posters. I don't know. I don't know what was happening to me at that time, but I was really excited. So I was in a lot of political science classes, ended up graduating with a minor in poli sci. Um, But I was a freshman and I'm looking around these classes and, you know, you get to class early and you've got your laptop and you kind of look around to see what everybody else is doing. And they're like on you know, New York Times and reading all of these articles and keeping up with all these different, you know, reports and everything that's going on. And I'm like adjusting my fantasy lineup. And I was like, this is weird. Like, none of these people seem to play fantasy. That's so odd. Whatever. So then, but like, I kept kind of noticing that, like, I'm doing one thing, they're doing different things. This is strange. So then it's in the spring my dad calls me one Friday night and I'm in my dorm and he's kind of like, Oh, what are you doing tonight? Anything exciting planned? And I was like, well, I just ordered a, a pizza. Why? And he's like, you just ordered a pizza. Like it's Friday night. I was like, dad, the Scott, the scouting combines on like, what do you mean? He goes, what? I said, dad, this, the combines on today. Like I'm not doing anything. Like I'm going to sit here and I'm going to eat my pizza and I'm going to watch it. Like what? What, what do you mean? What am I doing? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> he goes, he goes, you know, that's like C-SPAN. Like nobody watches that. Like it happens and you get like a report, but like nobody, nobody watches that. That, like, that is the perfect description <laughs> of the combine anyone has ever given. It's like C-SPAN for football. It is. And I was like, no, I, I 
watch it. He goes, Amy, if you don't go into sports, you have messed up. And that just kind of like hit a switch. And I was like, you can do that? Like, what? And so after that, I uh, switched from political science to journalism um, and went into broadcasting, thinking that's what I would be doing. And um, long story short, ended up getting out of broadcasting, switching to communications. So I dropped out of J school, um, ended up switching to communications, thought I was going to do PR, which is what I did for the first two years of my NFL career. I was a public relations intern and then came to Nashville, hopped back in front of the camera and the rest is history. Well, yeah. And I think Titans fans and the entire city are better off for your dad telling you what to do that Friday night when you were sitting alone in your dorm eating a pizza, watching the underwear Olympics. I think yeah. every, everybody is better off for him doing that. So, uh, Amy, I, I always love talking with you, man. You are one of the best story- storytellers um, in this business, in this market, anywhere. And we appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. Thank you. Of course. Thanks, guys. This was so much fun. I'd love to come back anytime. That was Amy Wells, Titans Amy, of course, on the Twitters. And uh, as we mentioned there at the beginning, sideline reporter for the Tennessee Titans Radio Network, co-host of the pre- and post-game show, co-host of Titans Tonight, co-host of Titans All Access, co-host of the OTP, the official Titans podcast, but is transitioning to the new Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast, which is sounds extremely exciting. I can't wait for that to come out. And uh, just I just love talking with her known her for a long time and she's just a band. she's one of the best most entertaining storytellers in the entire market full stop you know she wasn't a missouri journalism graduate because she would have told you that first yeah she would have corrected me would have corrected same thing with northwestern if she'd been a northwestern if she'd been a medill yeah, grad yeah. she would have said that first uh clearly her father though giving her wonderful advice um honey if this is what you're doing with your free time you, you need to get paid <laughs> To and this. to her credit, she found a great way to do it. And she's and again, she's very talented and uh, uh, appreciate her time coming on the show. And um, I, I do think, you know, you and I talk all the time about teams, colleges, you know, they, they are now production companies. Yep. And what they have to do is they've got to find people like her that are so talented, so passionate um, that, that, you know, we talked to Tatum Everett a couple of months ago on the show. She's now working for the Vikings after kind of leaving the broadcast business. Um, but that's the thing you have to find is you have to find people like that. And Coach Mac, Mike Keith, you know, Amy Wells, these guys, these men and women are very, very, very talented. And they make listening to the story of the Tennessee Titans super palatable, even for someone like me, who's not technically a fan. Right. And, and I think that, you know, this is this is sort of the best case version of this. You know, the, the worst case version of this, and we've talked about this before, is when is when teams, you know, shut the shut the information down to a trickle and don't really kind of, get into sort of the entertainment piece of this uh you know the the titans are producing a lot of things that are a very informative and b very entertaining uh and it and it's you know if you're a titans fan you have a lot of kind of you know really good state-run media options there there's a lot of there's a lot of other great options particularly on the podcast side right now Uh, but but the it's it's interesting how they built this operation uh, around people you know, on the news side, like Jim Wyatt and on like uh, on the broadcast side, like her. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I should absolutely 100% include, include Jim Wyatt into that uh, as well. All right. So recommendations, we appreciate her time. Of course, uh, go check out all of her great work. Uh, Amy Wells, everybody. So recommendations here coming up in a second, but ratings are back and number one, of course, Cardinals Titans, a 24.9 that is up 32% from last year's number, which was a 19.1 for the season opener. Then you've got Browns Chiefs at a 17, Cowboys Buccaneers at a 17. Just so you know, those two numbers are about what the national championship game in college basketball pulled. The Gonzaga-Baylor game on a Monday night was a, was a 17. So just so you Brown, know. Browns Chiefs, the, the, the featured late game. Uh, Cowboys Bucks was the Thursday night game. Bears Rams at number four was a 12.9. Also a primetime slot there as well. And number five on the list, our first college game, uh, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, a 10 flat rating, 10.0. Each, of course, rating point worth about 11,000 TV homes in Nashville. All of this courtesy of Mark Binda of News Channel 5. And that Pitt-Tennessee game is where we have some comments. Uh, that Pitt 
Tennessee broadcast was hot garbage. <laughs> I mean, it was just not, it was just not good. And, 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 and I get that maybe they didn't have the first string production people or the first string, you know, announcing crew coming in for coming in for this game, but Jesus, I mean, would not get off the talking points. What had, had, had things that they were going to say and we're going to impose them on the game. We talked about the relationship between the pit quarterback and, and the Mannings. Uh, Four think, times because he went to a Manning passing Academy one time. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it just ridiculous. It, it's a, it's a good story. Tell it once, go on, maybe come back to it in the second half. If you, if, if there's, you, you if you're picking up viewers or something, but Steve, but, how great was it to be in front of 100,000 oh people? God, It was so I, wonderful, Steve. This, so this is the real, this is the really frustrating thing. And, and even, you know, we talked about this with, with, with Herb street last week in relationship to COVID sort of the, the narrative of, Hey, we're back, you know, college football is back. And sort of the tension between, yeah, but you know, these may be super spreader events or, or what, or whatever else. Uh, they're so glad they're so pushing this narrative really, really hard about college football is back and, and look at all the fans and the excitement or whatever. And all of that is, that is a, that is a true thing. But it is also true that there were not a hundred thousand people in the stands. <laughs> Paid attendance was eighty-two thousand, and there weren't eighty-two thousand people in the stands. It was transparently obvious if you <laughs> looked at a full Neyland Stadium before that it doesn't have that many empty seats in the upper decks. If there's a hundred thousand people, <laughs> it just drove me up a fucking wall every wow. single time. Wow. Every single time they would do it, and I get it. You're excited to be back in a stadium. You're excited for fans to be back. That's great. But my God, when the narrative that you're pushing is, is contradicted by the pictures on the screen, just don't do it. <laughs> it, it did the Peyton Manning thing. Like, oh, uh, this, this pit quarterback one time had a conversation with Peyton Manning. Uh, and then we felt the need to mention it four times during the broadcast. It reminded me of the, J I think it was Jade Carey, the, the, the Olympic gymnast, who every single time came on the screen, um, the NBC broadcast just was like, oh, yeah, and her father's the coach out there. What is that like for you? And like the color analyst is just like, oh, it's just amazing to have your father out there. And I'm like, did you do any research into Kenny Pickett at all about anything else? It, like, this is the starting quarterback who's been there six years at Pittsburgh. You knew he was going to play a huge role in the game. You're telling me you couldn't figure out anything else to say? About this individual, I, I I don't know. It just reminded me of the NBC broadcast of uh, U.S. Gymnastics. I also looked this up, and I wanted to make sure because I threw it out on Twitter during the game because I heard it, and I don't think many people heard it. In the middle of a punt, the punt is literally in the air. The play-by-play -play guy is like, something, something, something. Tennessee is a – they're a, quote, a psychotic program. <laughs> and it, it looks worse on Twitter. Let me be honest here. Because he was just talking about how Tennessee fans have been through a lot and how, you know, they, you know, we all know what's happened with Lane Kiffin and with Greg Schiano and with John Curry and Philip Fulmer and Jeremy Pruitt and Butch Jones. And like there's there is a lot of <laughs> psychosis there. <laughs> so he's not all that wrong. It just felt like a very weird thing to say in the middle of a punt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, that That's just really, really poor. I, when, when he did I, not I, mean I, it in like a really super negative way. I, I do want to be clear on that. It just, it, it still had the value of being true, but <laughs> right, right. But, but you he's just not wrong. Wanna, he's not wrong. It was just, I mean, put it, you know, one more sort of, sort of pile on there. I, I hope we don't see that crew again. Uh, it was dusty Dvorak and, uh, Dvorak, yeah, Dvorak. And, and I forget who the, play-by-play -play guy was but i hope i don't have to find out again because that was terrible yeah tennessee vols tennessee titans broadcast crews this weekend hmm. yeah we had the number seven cbs crew to, to give you an idea here they don't have seven full-time crews i think that i think they have six full-time crews the the seventh is is activated you know on a full weekend you, you'll use them at the beginning but once like once bye weeks hit you know you you don't use those last guys and Boy, we got a real taste of it uh, during the <laughs> during the Titans broadcast because they were not they were not great, not all right. great, Bob. Not 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 great, Dan. Um, all right, what else? What else you got? Uh, what recommendations you got for the good people? So we just talked about how poor the broadcasts were. Give the give the wonderful lamestream sports audience something something good to consume. Uh, <laughs> coincidentally, 
a show called Catastrophe. <laughs> so you can get it on Amazon Prime. Uh, we, my, my wife and I do this a lot. We, you know, we're, we're looking for the next show to binge. I had talked her into a rewatch of The Wire, which I am very excited about. And she has promised me that it will happen, but she snuck this one in in, in, in front of The Wire. Oh, it, Catastrophe is a show. Uh, Rob Delaney, uh, who you'll you'll recognize, is kind of like one of the one of one of those guys. Yeah, or, or, or uh, he's a he's a that guy. Internet comedian Rob Delaney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it but it's a it, it's a British show. Uh, and the the premise is he's an American. Uh, he's in London for for a few weeks. He has a hookup with a with a woman who is a teacher, uh, and they have like this this one week of just kind of torrid making out hmm. and having uh, having the relations having the relations and then uh <laughs> and then uh 6 weeks later she calls him to tell him that she's pregnant and so That's he comes fantastic. back he comes back to london and then the first season is about what what they decide to do uh I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a six episode uh, uh, series. And, and so they're and digestible. So four, so. Yeah. So there's four seasons of it. So we sat down and we thought, oh, they're, they're a half hour piece. And they're actually a little bit less because of commercials. So it's like 22, 23 minutes. And we consumed the entire first season in a night. Wow. And it's it's wow. hilarious. Uh, the writing in it is really, really, is really, really sharp and punchy. The the main performances, uh, and I and I'm I'm blanking on who his co-star is. Uh, anyway, uh, but but it Let's is just it, it is it is just fantastic. It's it's a little bit lighter, but it has a bit of an edge to it. Uh, if you and, want, if you if you want a fun, uh, if you want a fun adult comedy, this one's it. And not set in Texas. Um, so, so special, special thanks. Uh, so go check out catastrophe. There's your ratings and recommendations for the week. Of course, special thanks to Amy Wells for hanging out as well. Um, Steve lamestream is brought to you by who it's, I, I'm pretty sure it's brought to you by Jaspers. We'll Which double means, check that. Maybe we'll put an edit in, but, but, but for I, right I, now, I'm, we're going to go pretty, with Jaspers. I'm pretty, pretty sure. Pretty positive. Feel pretty comfortable saying that it's brought to you by Jaspers. Of course, they are over on West End. Fantastic place to watch any sporting event. Great happy hour, great menu, Depp Paquette. Destroying, all of the free parking. Free park, destroying all of the myths of, of terrible sports bar epidemics across the country. And now attacking the quality of stadium food as well. You can get them at Nissan Stadium. So all you Titans fans that were listening today, make sure you go check them out. Jasper's in the club level in the corners of the end zone there. You can get sneak onto the club level. Just And, and actually videotape yourself trying to sneak into the club level and purchasing Jasper's food tag Jasper's. I want to see you try to break into the club level because it would be fun for me. And this is about me. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter. Steve, where can people get to you? My name is Steve Cavendish. They can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. Uh, if you want to see some photos of my dogs or a really, a really great pasta sauce I made last weekend <laughs> out of about four pounds of Roma tomatoes, then uh, go to find me on Instagram. I'm there at Scavendish. Nobody boils bow tie pasta like Steve Cavendish, folks. Nobody does. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Also, go to Jasper's. For Steve Cavendish, my name is Bringle. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Amy Wells. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.